So this morning I want to share, I hope it's a simple message called Friendship with God. And it's one of the things that the Lord has been speaking to me about recently, about my own relationship, about my own uh, walk with him. And so go with me, if you would, into John chapter 15. And that's the, the, the chapter which many of you will know is the, the chapter about abiding in his presence, uh, abiding in the vine. John chapter 15, we're going to read just a few verses from verse 12 through to verse, verse 17. And I hope that this morning um, it, it will be helpful to you uh, and I hope it will be challenging uh, to you. I hope that maybe it might even make you feel slightly uncomfortable at times because I think God really wants more from us. And we were talking earlier on in the week and this, uh, with this idea about more. And we, we, we understand what we mean about when we say more. It's not that we're getting more of, of his spirit because his spirit comes in fullness. But there, are, there is more to be revealed that we can learn about our God as, as we draw closer to him. He reveals more of his character and his nature. And really that's what we want for this time that we are in. So John chapter 15 verse 12 to 17. And it reads like this. This is my commandment, so this is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You, do not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that the fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And close friends impact our lives probably more than the thousands of people that we meet in, in our day, daily life. Close friends are important to us, aren't they? Each one of us will have those little groups of people that are particularly close to us. We, Jill and I, have uh, a group of four people that we are particularly close to, that we've grown up with people who knew us before ever we had any idea that we would um, be in full-time pastoral ministry. And I'm sure you have people like that, people that you can talk to and confide in in your moments of challenge and grief and sadness and, and uncertainty. And psychologists tell us that, um, that we benefit many ways from our friendship and I'm sure you know that already we don't need psychologists to tell us that because we see that in the daily working out of that having good friends it, they say uh, leads us to greater happiness and a better sense of emotional well-being and research says that to have at least one close person, one friend that you can confide in 
actually is a key ingredient for stronger mental resilience. It's a key ingredient for better mental health. If we have just one person that we can confide in with our most intimate and most deepest of thoughts. If I were to ask you this morning, if I were to ask you what is the most important thing in life uh, for you, I suspect many of you would say that having a close friend is top of the list. Having someone that you know is going to be there for you um, there are many other things that we could say, but I suspect that for most of us, we would put having a close friend at the top of the list. And friendships are important, but I wonder whether you've actually thought, for those of you watching online maybe, I wonder if you've ever thought about the possibility that you can have a friendship a close friendship with God through Christ Jesus. Of course, our natural friends are important and it's good to have those close natural friends. But I want to sh tell you this morning that there is a friend that is far better than any of our natural <coughs> earthly friends and his name is Jesus. And you, we, can have a, an intimate relationship with him. King David, most of us will know King David. King David said this in Psalm 8 verses 3 to 4. King David said, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care him. In other words, David looked at the splendor, the majesty, and the greatness of God and wondered why the God of creation would care to spend time with us. Why would the God of the universe choose to invest in people like us? And that's a mystery, but the reality is and the truth is that he does. And David wondered and pondered on that thought. You see, as we think about our lives, all of us have a choice. All of us have a choice. We can either choose to be friends with the world or friends with God. And hear me right, I'm not saying that it's just simply one or the other. It's not that we say, well, we are friends with God and therefore we are not friends with the world or we don't like the world. But rather what I'm saying is this. That when we choose to be friends with God and we put God at the top of our list, an outworking of his spirit working in us is that we love the world and, we, and we, we care for the world. But we need to put God at the top of the list because when we have him at the top of our agenda, then we will love the world and we will care for the world in the way that God intended. And so it's not one or the other, but we do have to make a choice. We have to make a choice whether or not we want to be friends with God. Human relationships are important, but the most important relationship is that with our Father. Again, Proverbs 18 verse 24 says this, 
A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend who is closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. And what do I mean when I say that we have to choose to be a friend of Jesus? I thought I was a friend of Jesus. I thought everyone was a friend of Jesus. And maybe you're thinking that this morning. You're sitting there thinking that you're a friend of Jesus. I thought everyone was a friend of Jesus. Well, no. The Bible doesn't tell us that. We're not all friends of Jesus. Listen to what Romans 5 verse 9 to 10 says. It says this, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, and justification is what God does for us in terms of changing, transforming us. It's all on him. Justification is the work of God. So since now we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him, that is by God, from the wrath of God. In other words, God is saving us from his wrath. For if while we were enemies, does that mean that there was a time that we were not God's friends? Yes, it does. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So the reality is this, and we have to understand this. We do not start off being friends with God. In fact, our natural nature tells us that um, unless there is a revelation, unless we allow Holy Spirit to come into our lives and inhabit us, that actually our natural desire and tendency is not toward God, but actually is away from God. And so before we ever came into a relationship with God, the Bible tells us that we were far off, and more than that, we were God's enemies, subject, the object of his wrath. And so, understand this. Please don't think that you start off being a friend of God because we are not. And to think that you are a friend of God without responding and without doing anything, listen, if you believe that you are a friend of God without doing anything, without responding to his invitation then you are making literally a grave mistake. Because ultimately, when all of this is done, it will lead to death. In fact, the Bible tells us that unless we allow the Spirit of God in our lives, we are dead. We are spiritually dead. But the Spirit makes us alive in Christ. James 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, there is a response necessary from us. Because note what James says. James says that when we draw near to God, so we 
do something, we initiate something. When we have a desire to know God, it says when we demonstrate our willingness and our desire to know him, God draws near to us. Of course, God desires to know us. Don't get me wrong. God wants to know us. God wants to have relationship with us. But he's not going to force his way in. And when we make that decision that we want to know God, God reveals himself. God draws near to us. So, we might not be friends of God initially, but I thought God was a friend of everyone. I might not be a friend of God, but surely God is a friend of everyone. Well, listen to what Psalm 25, 14 says. The friendship, listen, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. There's a lot going on in there. It speaks about friendship and it speaks about covenant with God. And so God sets out criteria that we need to satisfy or, or, or meet in order that we can consider ourselves to be his friend. And I'm sure every single one of us wants to be a friend of God. So you need to listen to what uh, follows. So let's talk about covenant because God speaks about covenant. The Bible speaks about covenant with God. And when we talk about covenant, we are talking about relationship with God. We're talking about relationship with our Father. Relationship can mean different things. It can mean um, friend. It can mean father. It can mean teacher. We can be in relationship in different ways. But the Bible talks about a particular kind of relationship. And it's summarized in this word covenant. And the relationship that God is talking about when he talks about covenant is that of a partnership. It's a partnership. God is looking to partner with us when he speaks about covenant. Partnership is that idea of working alongside someone else in order to achieve a goal. And God wants to partner with us. God wants to work with with us. He wants us to work with him in order that, what? That he might bring us more into the likeness of Christ Jesus. But what the Bible tells us is this. That although God desires to have covenant or partnership with us, we in our sinful state have a broken relationship. We have a broken partnership, as it were. But God still desires to partner with us. When we look in the Bible, we see evidence of these types of covenant. We, we see particularly four key uh, covenant areas. God covenanted with Noah. He covenanted with 
Abraham said to Abraham and promised to Abraham he would make him uh, a great nation. He covenanted with the nation of Israel and said that he would make them prosperous and bless them. He covenanted with King David and said to King David that I will make sure that one of your descendants, uh, someone from your line of descendants, will come and establish my kingdom. God is a God of covenant. God is a, is a God who likes to work in partnership with us. But again, the Bible tells us that those covenants that God established with those four people or those four areas, because Israel was a nation, it tells us that those covenants were broken. We weren't able to keep them. And so God in his graciousness... God in his mercy chooses to enter our world in human form. He chooses to come in the person of his son, Christ Jesus. So that Jesus might be the one who is able to fulfill all the criteria, all the, the commitments of the covenant. You see, when God covenants with us, he asks what God does is he says he will do something for us, but he also asks us to do certain things. And every single one of those people, Noah, broke his covenant. Abraham broke his covenant. Israel broke their covenant. David broke his covenant. And God comes into our world and provides his son the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was able, the one who was able to fulfill all the, the necessary criteria and fulfill all the commitments that had previously been broken in order that not just one person could be restored into that covenant partnership relationship, but so that the whole world might have opportunity to be restored into that relationship of partnership or covenant. God desires to work alongside us. He wants to work with us. He's not going to bypass us. He wants to work with us. But that requires a willingness on our part to partner with him. It requires a... Re uh, um, a response on our side to work with him. And so when we think about covenant, covenant is not about what, it's about who. Because Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the new covenant. The new covenant is the promise that God makes with humankind, as it were, that he'll forgive our sins, that he'll restore communion with those whose hearts are toward him. And so we need to determine that actually we're going to choose God. We're going to be toward God. Again, listen to what Hebrews uh, 9 verse 15 says. It says, therefore, speaking of Christ, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. 
You see, Jesus defeated death by his resurrection so that we, those of us who believe in him, might know everlasting or eternal life. God is a covenant-keeping God. He wants to partner with us. Understand that. Get hold of that. God actually wants to work with you, not against you. And so, God again in that verse says um, that the fear, friendship with the Lord is for those who fear him. So let's have a look and see what we understand then by fear. Because we can fear many things in life, can't we? There are probably some of you sitting here right now, maybe watching on the other side, that even now are particularly fearful of something. There is something that is bringing a certain amount of fear into your life, causing anxiety. And fear, if we allow it to, will, will cause, you know, can cause depression. In fact, fear, if we don't deal with it in our lives, can actually have a physical effect on our sense of well-being. Proverbs 29:25 says, "The fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe." And so sometimes we can allow others, we can allow people, circumstance, situation to br- stir in us a fear when we take our eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to fix our eyes on him. Because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, everything else pales into insignificance. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, everything else um, becomes insignificant. And again, we're reminded the friendship with the Lord is for those who fear him. And so what that tells us, friendship with the Lord is for those who fear fear him, what that tells us is that God's friendship is reserved for a particular kind of person. In the same way, listen, in the same way that we are cautious about who we confide in, who we share our deepest uh, thoughts with, and you know what I'm talking about because even as we look around you know that there are people that you wouldn't tell or wouldn't share certain things with. And God is no different. And God reserves his friendship for a particular type of person. God, in fact, says his friendship is reserved for those who know what it is to fear him. Let me ask you, do you know the Lord Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Again, in Exodus 20, 20, Moses said, it says this, Moses said to the people, and remember, this is when they're in the wilderness and and God is speaking and and Moses goes up up the mountain uh, to speak to God. And it says, Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And when Moses spoke about fearing the Lord, he didn't use two different words. He used one word. But nonetheless, he spoke about two different types of fear. He said, don't fear God 
He said, don't, in other words, he was saying, don't be scared of God. Don't, don't, um, don't see God as being oppressive or a tyrant. He said, don't be scared of God, but instead, rather than being scared of God, know him and know what it is to revere him, to honor him, to exalt him, to esteem his majesty. There's a difference. You see, when we, when we are scared, when we are fearful of who God is, and, this, and being fearful or scared of God comes out of not knowing him and not knowing his character and his nature, when you are scared of God, it causes you to run away from him and hide. Look at what happened with Adam and Eve in the, gar- in the garden when, when they failed to understand the nature, the character of God and they, what, they did what? They did exactly that. They ran away and they hid. When we don't know God and we are scared of God, we run away and hide. But when we know God, when we understand his nature, when we stand in awe of who he is, we run to him. He draws us to him and we abide in him. One, being scared of God causes us to run and hide. Knowing God and revering God and honouring God causes us to run to him and abide. And so the fear of God begins with knowing who he truly is. Knowing God. The fear of the Lord Psalm 111 verse 10 says, is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a what? Have a good understanding. God says, if you truly fear him in the right way because of who he is, he says, you have good understanding. In other words, we know him and God desires us to know him. And we are called to have a right understanding of God. Listen, if you are fearful in the sense of you are scared of God, I want to suggest that you don't really know him. You don't really know him. But God says the fear of God. Him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are not called to be scared of him, but we are called to revere him. We are called to honour him. We are called to hold him in high esteem. We are told, we are called rather, to, in understanding him, to stand in awe of his splendour and his majesty. That's what it is to fear God, to know who he truly is. Don't be scared. Let me tell you, don't be scared. Please don't be scared of God in that oppressive, um, um, negative way. But rather 
come to him, know who he is, get to know his character, and once we and when you know his character, it will draw you to him, and you'll want to abide with him. You see, God hates all things that are evil. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Excuse me, that's God saying it. And therefore, what that tells us is that we need to be a people who learn to hate the things that God hates. We need to be a people who learn to... Um, to um, put away or put aside those things that God will have nothing to do with. Learn to hate the things that God's hate. Learn not to tolerate them in our lives. I wonder how many of us are tolerating things in our lives that we know are not glorifying to God, that we know that God himself dislikes. We need to have a deep regard for the things that God approves. And we need to hold uh, in our heart a disapproval for the things that God disapproves. We need to align our heart with God so that we feel the same thing as God. You see, the fear of God, the true fear of God, compels us not to sin. Well, actually, I would hope that even if people are just scared of God, I would hope that it would compel them not to sin for fear of what God might do. But of course, we know that that doesn't happen. But the fear of the Lord in terms of knowing him, in terms of knowing the Father heart, should compel us not to sin. Not because we are afraid of what he will do, but rather because we are afraid of offending a holy God. Because we're afraid of doing something against someone who we love. Those of you who are in relationships, and all of us have relationships at, at different levels, and all of us have relationships that are with individuals that we are particularly close to, and you know that you would not intentionally do something that would offend someone that you pro profess to love. And likewise, so it is with God. If we say we love him, why would we intentionally do something that we know is going to grieve him? Why would we intentionally do something that we know that he disapproves of? And so we need to be a people who, whose hearts come in line with our Father's heart so that those things that cause him to weep are the same things that cause us to weep. Our fear of the Lord should cause us to seek him and to confess our sin before him, not run away and hide. But actually our fear of God, our, fear, our true fear of the Lord should draw us to him into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. Just this week, um, we, as you know, we are doing, we're, at the moment we're doing the, 
our a course walking in the spirit and this last week we were t- we were talking about hearing an aspect of hearing god and we i think there were two questions what do you want to say to me and how can i hear you more i think those were the two questions how can i hear you more and what do you want to say to me and in the moment in the moment that I had before the Lord, I asked him the question. I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me in this moment? What do you want to say to me? And this is personal, but I believe it applies to many of you in the hearing. And he said this. He said, I miss you, Martha. And I said to the Lord, Lord, you know my name. Why are you calling me Martha? He said, because, son, you are someone who likes to do. You're busy. You're always doing. And then he said this. He said, when your mother-in-law passed away, at the moment of her passing, you felt a deep pain, a deep hurt, a deep ache in your heart. And what I can tell you is that the moment that my mother-in-law passed away, my heart was missing beats, was fluttering, it was pain, physically painful, and I was struggling to breathe. And I thought, later on, I thought, you know what? I need to cut out caffeine, because it's not doing me any good at all. Um, I have high blood pressure, and so I have to take tablets for high blood pressure. And I thought, well, caffeine is not doing me any good. I need to cut out the caffeine. And the Lord said to me, In the same way that you felt that pain, that hurt, that aching in your heart, I want you to feel that for me. I want you to feel that same longing and aching and hurting in your heart for him. You see, I'm a long way away. I'm a long way away from the relationship that I could have with the Father. But so are many of you. And God's desire is not that we're at a distance, but actually he's inviting us to come nearer, to draw closer, to know him, to know his heart. So that those things that hurt him and affect him affect us as well. That's what it is to fear the Lord. When our hearts are aligned with his. Revelation 15 verse 3 to 4. When the 
saints are in heaven and there's this picture here uh, and it says great and and they're declaring the praises or the or rather it was seven angels it says great and amazing are your deeds O lord god the almighty just and true are your ways O god of the nations who will not fear O lord and glorify your name for you alone are holy all nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed you see when we truly know what it is to fear the lord it causes us to worship him it brings us deeper it brings us closer to him it doesn't drive us away but it invites us to draw nearer the fear of the lord is not living a cautious lifestyle um, of not wanting to offend him but rather it's adopting a lifestyle that is sensitive that is considerate that is mindful toward him and God is inviting every single one of us into a deeper relationship the fear of the Lord friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him so let me ask you again are you a friend of God Are you a friend of God? Because he wants to be a friend of yours. But there's a response. Let me finish where we started. John 15, verse 14 to 16. Jesus says, You are my friends. If you do what I command you. You see, friendship with God is about a life of obedience, living to, for him, toward him. Not just doing our own thing, but friendship with God is for those who choose to live lives of obedience to <coughs> him. And he tells us that when we do that, he says... No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And the great thing is this as well. Listen, he goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And so friendship, friends, friendship with God brings so many benefits. And God is inviting us this morning into friendship god is inviting us this morning to maybe renew friendship with him maybe we need to confess some things maybe we need to just 
acknowledge before God that we've been doing our own thing. Maybe we've not been living lives of obedience to him. Maybe we've not been those who truly know what it is to fear him. But God wants our friendship. He wants to be able to call us friends in order that he might reveal and make known to us the Father heart. 